Hey everyone, this amazing ESO Network show is brought to you by our fine sponsor, Amazon.com. Please remember to shop Amazon for all your geeky needs, no matter what time of the year it is. All you need to do is go to ESOPodcast.com slash ESO Amazon, or click on the Amazon banner on the ESO Network webpage to go to our e-store. It's the best way to shop and the best way to support this program, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Okay, that's enough of me babbling for now. Now on with your regular scheduled show. Time for the ESO Dragon Con Report, a podcast dedicated to help newcomers and veterans prepare for the upcoming annual convention in downtown Atlanta. With interviews, advice, and news from the pros and fans alike, be careful, you never know, you might actually learn something. And welcome to the fifth episode of the 2017 Dragon Con Con Report. I know, finally, finally it's out. Uh, things are a bit hectic here. There's less than 100 days left uh, till Dragon Con, the big event. And things are kind of crazy. Uh, I'm still here on the station. I'm your host, Mike Gordon. Uh, I'm pleased to introduce you to the rest of our station crew, which some of which are, are not with us this month. Uh, so we've uh, got some new voices here for you to listen to. But one person who is returning is Mary Lou Who. Thanks, Mary. It's me. You're welcome. I'm glad it all worked out. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how should I ask you? How uh, are things going uh, with the uh, costuming? I usually get it. We usually get an update. <laughs> slow um i'm just sort of um solidifying what i'm gonna need to do for the next couple of months scrapping some stuff that i thought i was gonna do and coming up with some new ideas so um still in the planning stages unfortunately i would think with the uh, uh you know we can talk about more about this later maybe well, just as a side note but i would think certainly with the uh, introduction of all these summer movies and you never know what's going to be hot and what's going to be really cool, that that gives a, a lot of inspiration, sort of last-minute inspiration to do costumes, uh, you know. For yeah, totally. I, I try to avoid that um, just for, for money and sanity's sake, um, but that may be uh, what ends up happening this time. <laughs> Every year is a little different. Uh, well, as I pointed out, we've got some new voices uh, that you'll hear uh, for this month's installment, and uh, one of which, uh, well, before we get to that, I do want to make mention of uh, Director Faber is, uh, uh, is he's got some technical and some personal issues which are keeping him from this month, but all is well, and he will be back uh, next month, uh, so we wish him well, um, and um, uh, I wanted to introduce to people who, uh, the, these are people who have been on the ESO network. So you should already know them. They should be familiar voices. But uh, if, in case you don't know, uh, we have with us uh, the ESO geek girl herself, Angela Pritchett, is here. Hey, everyone. Howdy. Hey, we've done some panels at Dragon Con, so this kind of feels like it's it's close. Yeah, this will this it's going to be fun. This year is actually the first year I won't be doing panels, so it'll be interesting. Really? Is that by choice? You're just saying no panels? I'm I'm working the con. I'm going to oh. work in the dealer's room, so I won't be on panels because I'll be in there for like the entire time the convention, the so dealer's that, room is open. That's going to be a different perspective for you? 
yeah, I'll be weird. <laughs> um, and also no stranger to the ESO network uh, from Adam and JP's podcast role. It's Adam. Uh, sorry, not, it's not Adam. It's JP. What am I saying? No, you could call me Adam if you want to. We Mike. tried to get Adam, but, you know, he we had to settle for JP. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome, you- sir. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on the uh, the con report. And it's really weird. I still feel like the newbie here, even though this will be like my fifth Dragon Con. But compared to you guys, I, I still feel like the new kid on the block. Um, it, well, you know what? Uh, and it's one thing that we say all the time on the show. But, I mean, even though I've been going for 20 years, it almost feels like, I mean, we always learn something new about it every year. Every year has right. almost got a little bit of a different experience to it. So, right. Um, and uh, yeah, so you never, st- I don't think you ever start, stop learning about Dragon Con. So, and hopefully it'll be entertaining for those people listening. Um, in addition, we do have two other familiar voices for you guys. Uh, we will feature segments with Eternal Zan. She's got some great information for you. And Michelle Biddick-Simmons will uh, tell us a little bit about some some health tips uh, that will help us prepare uh, for Dragon Con as well. So, um, like always, this ESO special report is sponsored by the Amazon eStore, where you can find all sorts of cool geeky merchandise. If you're ordering some swag from Amazon, please help us out by going through our link. It doesn't cost you any more, and it really does help us out. Um, If you would like to leave feedback or comment on the show, please call our ESO feedback line at 404-963-9057. Or feel free to email us at esopodcast at gmail.com. We're also uh, present on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. So reach out to us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what you would like to see us cover. Uh, We're definitely always up for hearing from you folks. Uh, We've got some segments actually on this episode, some information that you're going to hear that people sent to us and submitted to us. So uh, it's because of you guys. So we really appreciate it. So um, so now it's time for some news and notes, the latest uh, and greatest of uh, what's going on with Dragon Con this year. Um, there's not a lot of uh, big news, um, but some updates. Uh, the Hilton is still undergoing renovations. Uh, I was there uh, just the other day when I went to Trader Vic's, and uh, it, the, the whole lobby area looks a lot different. Um, but, uh, there's, so they're still going through some stuff, but, uh, both the hotel and Dragon Con has assured us, uh, that renovations will be completed by, uh, by the September 1st deadline. Um, so hopefully they'll be completed uh, a few weeks before that, but, uh, so, uh, everything should be in place, but it is going to be a little bit different. So those people who are familiar with the, the Hilton, at least that, uh, front area, and even the, some of the side areas where the stairs are, uh, there's just a, a little bit of stuff that's going to be different. So, uh, but we'll try to have all those differences for you, I think, uh, on an, on a next or two, uh, as we get closer to Dragon Con, we'll try to have some more information for you about those renovations and what exactly is going on. Um, also, other news uh, says that the cons charity uh, match is increasing to a hundred thousand this year. Uh, from the former, it was a uh, fifty thousand match. Now they're going to double it. So a Dragon Con continues to give. Uh, they're also part of a toy drive, which is going through the the rest of the year, and that benefits Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Um, other news that I saw: uh, Dragon Con TV has uh, primarily been just for the host hotels. 
but now it's extended to the Omni and the Ritz. The Omni and the Ritz are they're not officially host hotels, but they will have one channel devoted to Dragon Con TV. Uh, and the uh, last thing uh, that uh, I wanted to talk about was, um, uh, as far as the news goes, is that they just had a volunteer meeting uh, a couple weeks ago, and volunteers across the board are are still very much needed. So if you plan, if you would like to participate in Dragon Con, um, there's still opportunities to do so. Um, track a lot of tracks are still looking for folks to help out. Um, security is looking for help. Um, even uh, some of the uh, IT and media for DragonCon is looking for help. So um, you can find out all that information if you go to DragonCon's official site. We'll have links in the show notes, so you can go there. Um, and I, I know I know that uh, um, Zan, who uh, is going to talk a little bit about it um, in her segment, but I know she's putting together a Facebook group to answer questions and to help out uh, people who are interested in volunteering. So, uh, yeah, they still need a lot of help. So um, you can still participate. Um, oh, and one last thing. Uh, I'm trying to get confirmation on this, but um, I do believe, last I heard, we talked about all the track rooms moving out of the Apparel Mart. Well, that's that's pretty much true except for one. I do believe, um, and I need to get 100% confirmation on this for the next show, but I do believe that the comic track, uh, the, the panels for the comic and pop art, uh, pop artist alley will still be in America's Mart because it'll be right next to where artist alley is. So, um, I don't think that's going to change. So you won't have to go all the way to the Sheridan. Um, if you're a guy like me and, and has to, and, and doing it, you know, at my comic table and then having to go all the way, uh, across the, a few blocks just to do a panel. I think the panel room is still going to be there. So, but all the other fan tra- tracks will have, have moved out, and we've already mentioned where a lot of those are going to be. So um, I, that's uh, that's it for you know uh, Dragon Con specific news. But there was an item that I saw that happened just this past weekend that I thought would be uh, interesting to bring up, and I saw some people talking about it, a lot of people talking about it on the Dragon Con uh, Facebook groups, and that of course is the um, the incident that happened at the Phoenix Comic Con. Uh, over this past weekend, um, uh, just real quick, you can Google it and to find out all the specifics information. Uh, but um, what basically happened was that a uh, man was arrested on Thursday, so the first day of the con. Uh, he uh, was he was in Phoenix Comic Con, which is a huge, huge convention. It is uh, bigger in attendance than uh, Dragon Con. It is uh, at least a hundred thousand people. It's one of the I think top five conventions in the country. Um, but he had a uh, collection of guns, actual guns and other weapons. Um, and he was aiming to, he had some sort of, uh, it came out later. He had some sort of vendetta against, uh, I believe it's the green ranger. Is that right? Uh, Jason David Frank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and also particular members of, uh, law enforcement. And, uh, and that, uh, he, um, he was posting some things on on social media that some people caught. It raised a red flag. Security was notified, and they were able to apprehend him before anything serious happened. But it did give a lot of people, certainly at the Phoenix Comic Con, and people who do conventions all over the country and all over the world, a little bit of a, a scare. Um, so, did you guys? Uh, you guys must have seen this story, right? 
Oh yeah. 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 And and it, in some ways, it's kind of one of those things. Like, man, it it it. This is just just something that we've been afraid of for probably a good five, ten years now, right? I think anytime you in the day that we live in, anytime you get a large group together like that, this is always the risk. It's not, you know, obviously not exclusive to uh, conventions. Uh, we've seen recently things happen in concerts, sporting events always have high security. It's, you know, it's the it's the risk of getting together like this in in in, um, in the time that we live in. But with that said, um, statistically, when you look. At the amount of uh, conventions that happen every year and the amount of people that attend conventions, incidents like this rarely happen. And also, I think if there is a plus to take out of that story, it is people saw something and they said something. They saw something on his social media that gave them cause to sound an alarm. And that paid off because this guy was you know, apprehended before he was, um, he was able to do anything horrible. Which is a lesson we can all learn. If you see something, say something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ditto everything that he just said. Um, I don't really have anything intelligent to add to that. So it's obviously a, a problem and a concern. And I personally feel that uh, like weapon security at Dragon Con is pretty lax. But it's also something that's very difficult to control. So I'm not sure if this may hold any changes for us or not. The peace bond is the is the the main weapons check for Dragon Con, right? Like if you have decorative, you know, uh, costume weapons, anything like that, that has to be peace bonded before you can enter. Am I right in that? Because I've never had cosplay that involved weaponry, so I don't. Um, I, can't I mean, that. I've had some before, but I've never been stopped. I've never been peace bonded. And yeah. generally, on the web page, they also have a um, weapons policy where they say what you can use for props and what you can't. Not that everyone listens to it, but they have that on there. Yeah, the the Phoenix one was modified, of course, after this event uh, or this incident. Uh, and then on Friday, uh, there was uh, a lot more uh, security to get in the building and out of the building. And there was, you know, it created some lines and, and, and some wait times. But I think... You know, um, everybody was uh, pretty appreciative of, you know, because when it comes to being safe, it doesn't matter how long you have to wait, right? I mean, as long as, yeah, I mean, that's that's a good as good a reason as any. Um, I was at a uh, I was at a a a, a rock concert actually uh, just two nights ago, and um, we actually had sec- it was the security was pretty tight. And a lot tighter than any show that I'd gone to prior to that, uh, certainly recently. And I think part of it was because of the Manchester incident that happened. Um, and, and you know, I, there was nobody, you know, it's sort of like after 9-11 with the airports, you know, security. It's like nobody was really complaining because we all know that this is, you know, it's, it's, it's all about making sure that nobody gets through. Right. And so I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some more police officers around the convention hotels and just around downtown in general uh, during Dragon Con this year. And also, I have since they put it into effect, I personally love the idea that you can't get into the hotels without a Dragon Con uh, credential to get in. I was actually just getting ready to mention that, that that yeah. started after 
you know, people were like, oh, hey, Dragon Con, come party for the weekend. And a bunch of people without badges showed up. So it's kind of the same thing where if there is that urgency, you probably will see a lot more focus on it. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. I'm, I'm all about that policy. Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about it before. And, and in fact, um, uh, also this uh, past weekend, I was uh, uh, hanging out with some folks that don't usually go to Dragon Con. And they were saying, oh, you know, you can, you know, uh, it used to be that you could just go and just, uh, you know, hang out uh, without a badge or anything. But you can't do that now. And I was thinking to myself in my head, like, that's right. You can't <laughs> like like and you shouldn't be able to because, uh, yeah, there's there's enough of us already. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're getting to the point where, I mean, it keeps growing. Last year was 80,000. Um, and, and it just keeps growing and growing and, and yes, we will probably get to a hundred thousand at some point as well. I mean, it just, it just seems like that's going to happen eventually. Um, and I and- think something, something to remember about this Phoenix comic con incident, it's, is that, I mean, clearly this was not some, you know, some guy that was trying to, uh, pull off an act of domestic terrorism. I, I mean, judging by what I've seen from, his post online, it's clear he has some sort of um, mental disturbedness. You know, he's mentally disturbed. And and I think that kind of led him down the path to do what he did. And that's that's something because, you know, when you look at the Manchester incident, that's terrorism. And then this guy, you know, is sick. And it's – yeah, and it just goes back to, to what you mentioned at the beginning of this, and, and, and I'll repeat again. I guess it's kind of on us too to go have fun, but just keep a, you know an eye out for something that just seems out of the ordinary. Which I know at Dragon Con <laughs> may be an understatement, but uh, but we know. I mean, when you go and you go a few years, you know what's normal Dragon Con, and if you see someone who may have. Uh, different reasons for being there, and, and and I think that not just for something like this instance, but uh, not to get totally off subject, but you know, there's been instances where there have uh, been devious people showed up and and tried to attack people, um, and you know, old older guys showing up, you know, following girls and that sort of thing, and you know, it, 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 that's something we should probably watch out for too when we're there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and I I do think it's interesting too. I mean, you mentioned that, uh, obviously he's, he's, um, he had some issues. I do find it interesting that, uh, and this is not really Dragon Con related, but, um, both this, and there was a couple of other instances, uh, earlier this year where, um, the Punisher has been sort of, um, uh, used as a sort of a, a, a role model figure for individuals, which I just find like, like, wow, I didn't think that was a thing anymore. <laughs> like, I just thought, like, I guess with the, I guess the, 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 with the Netflix popularity or whatever, you know, he's, he's become popular again. But, um, I, I just didn't think that that was, I was like, really the Punisher. Okay. Cause that was like, you know, that was in the nineties, but. I think members of the military and law enforcement have been drawn to that particular logo and, and I, you know, uh, character as, because uh, as, I, I was, and I think even the article that I was reading mentioned that a lot of law enforcement groups kind of use that Punisher logo in some of their material. So it is odd that the perpetrator of this, uh, you know, was at, apparently wanting to attack police officers. So it's very strange. 
So, um, well, anyway, we, I, I wait word from DragonCon to see if there will be any sort of response to this. I mean, if not, uh, I, you know, I, I can, or if they want to just handle it internally to make sure that there's enough security, then I think that's fine. Um, I don't know if they need to really, you know, react strongly to something like this, but hopefully, you know, it's something that uh, we, we don't have to worry about so we can all enjoy the weekend. But uh, and uh, and and the the sort of the target, uh, Jason David Frank, is been a uh, guest at DragonCon before. I don't see him on the guest list this year, but of course it's never too late. But that gives me a perfect segue to to go into who has been announced as guests uh, this year. So um, I understand, Mary, you and JP are going to handle the duties this month. Oh boy. We've got this. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I guess take it from the top. Uh, from the top. Okay, well, I had it all scrolled down to the bottom. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm going to switch things up big time. Just as soon as I get it right, you change it on me. <laughs> all right, here we go. Linda Valentine is best known as the voice of the long-running animated series Sailor Moon. She continues to work in animation roles on shows such as George of the Jungle, The Cat in the Hat Knows a Lot About That, Gundalian Invaders, Care Bears, and the Avengers Animated Series. Susan Roman is known for voicing the role of Lita, Sailor Jupiter, in the animated anime series Sailor Moon. She's one of the few voice actors to remain throughout the entire run of the series. Her other role was the voice of Melissa Raccoon from The Raccoons. Katie Griffin has been a professional actor, voice actor, and singer for over 20 years. Best known as Ray and Sailor Mars on the hit show Sailor Moon, she's also known for her portrayal of Alex on Totally Spies, Hikaru on Beyblade, Nina Harper on Brace Face, and Ruby on Max and Ruby. Jill Frappier is known for voicing Luna in the hit animation series Sailor Moon, Mrs. Priscilius in Pippi Longstocking, and Fifi in Hello Kitty and Friends. She appeared in television and movies such as Friday the 13th, the series, The Dating Guy, Tech War, The Twilight Zone, and The Hitchhiker. I'm going to interrupt you real quick because I, I, a blast of Sailor Moon voices. Is that, is this seems like a big deal. It seems like a sort of a, uh, 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 like a reunition, a reuniting of all these voices from Sailor Moon. Is it, is it a big deal? Is, I'm not into Sailor Moon. So I don't. Um, I'm not sure if these are the voices from the new show or from the old show. Yeah, Either way, Sailor Moon is a big deal right now. And if you're a '90s kid, this is this is like a dream come true. It's like a Sailor Moon reunion. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it seems to I me. Mean, that I'm I was like, to... Yeah. So. Well, cool. That's great. I mean, yeah. Cool. Um, okay. Garrett Aaron Reisman is an American engineer and former NASA astronaut. He was a backup crew member for Expedition 15 and joined Expedition 16 aboard the International Space Station for a short time before becoming a member of Expedition 17. Jim of Food, a.k.a. Food One, is a muralist, comic book artist, painter, live art show rocker, and drunken freestyler extraordinaire. He's been working professionally as an artist since 1997, amassing an impressive cult following across the globe. His comic book work includes illustrating filmmaker Kevin Smith's Clerks Comics and illustrating various Spider-Man projects at Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. Mary 
Louis Elmore is one of the world's leading fantasy artists. His works have graced the covers of National Lampoon, Heavy Metal, and Dragon Magazine, among others. He's best known for his covers for the digital Dragonlance novels. Original Dragonlance novels, sorry. <laughs> Peter David is a prolific author whose career and continued popularity spans nearly two decades. He's worked in every conceivable media, television, film, books, fiction, nonfiction, and audio, short series and comic books, and acquired followings in all of them. Casper Van Dyne's breakthrough role was as the lead in Paul Verhoeven's sci-fi film Starship Troopers, which celebrates its 20th anniversary this year. Patrick Muldoon is perhaps best known for his role in the 1997 hit Starship Troopers and celebrates its 20th anniversary this year. Since then, he continues to star in many television movies for the Lifetime and Hallmark channels. Dina Meyer is perhaps best known for her roles in Starship Troopers and the Saw franchise films. Her role in the cyberpunk thriller Johnny Mnemonic was perhaps her earliest breakthrough performance. James Mathis III is currently the voice of Black Panther in Marvel's Avengers Assemble. Other animation credits include Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Ben 10, British-born actor Paul Blackthorne will be returning to primetime TV this fall as Quentin Lance on the CW hit series Arrow. Willa Holland is an American actress, voice actress, and model. She's best known for her role as Thea Queen or Speedy in Arrow. Voltaire is a media personality and respected authority on all things gothic, horror, sci-fi, steampunk, and involving geek culture. He's often referred to as a modern-day renaissance man, having achieved success in the fields of animation, music, comics, books, and toys. The Blubbering Humdingers embody original comedic rock and pop music celebrating various fandoms such as Harry Potter, Doctor Who, Firefly, Steampunk, Comics, D&D, and more. Frenchie and the Punk is an internationally touring New York duo with a French-born lead singer, punk veteran guitarist, high-energy show, and also a folk-punk cabaret with French and English vocals, live guitar looping. It's Rio meets Tokyo drumming instrumentals with danceable and eclectic cabaret-style spectacle. Named top 25 duos by Yahoo Music. Claudia Gray is the New York Times best-selling author of multiple young adult paranormal and science fiction novels, including the Evernight series and the Firebird series. She's also the author of Star Wars tie-in novels Lost Stars and the best-selling Bloodline. The Pirate Queen is not your mom's favorite ukulele player. She prefers rowdy strumming, nerdy lyrics, and unexpected covers. Expect songs about Star Trek, Die Hard, Philip K. Dick, Jackalopes, and Submarines. Tom Smith, one man, one guitar. Mostly comedy, mostly funk rock, except for all the other stuff. Tom Smith is uplifting, inclusive, topical, and pretty much guaranteed to be goofy. Audience participation welcome. American Murder Song, a performance of original murder ballads by Terrence Zudick and Zar Hendelman, the star of Repo, the genetic opera, and songwriters of the Devil's Carnival. Hit your wagon, done your blackest veils, and explore a rogues gallery of cutthroats, murderesses, and killer songs. Dean Motter, as both a designer and an art director, Dean has created a multitude of award-winning book and record covers, from Ray Bradbury to Motorhead. As a graphic novelist, he is best known for Terminal City, The Prisoner, Batman Nine Lives, and his seminal creation, Mr. X, now in its fourth decade. 
Andy Rudin is the creator of the breakout all-ages series of graphic novels, Owly, starring a little owl who's always searching for new friends, relying on a mixture of symbols and expressions to tell his silent stories. Rudin's heartwarming style has made him a favorite of both fans and critics alike. Glank performs exciting rhythmic music on unique found object percussion instruments while incorporating the audience into the performance. Glank features multimedia elements, anonymous performers, welded and tuned metallophones, and hundreds of audience participation instruments. It's a one-of-a-kind, family-friendly, science-like musical experiment with fun cover tunes and energetic grooves. Bill Holbrook creates three comic strips, On the Fast Track and Safe Havens, which are syndicated by King Features, and the Internet's longest-running daily web comic, Kevin and Kale, which debuted in 1995. Wow. Catherine Hudson is a comic artist for DreamWorks Trolls, character designer on FX's Archer, and freelance illustrator. Mark Bagley is an American comic book artist. He's worked on Marvel Comics and DC Comics with such titles as The Amazing Spider-Man, Thunderbolts, New Warriors, and the Ultimate Spider-Man series. Kate Baker is a two-time Hugo Award, World Fantasy Award, British Fantasy Award winner alongside the staff of Clark's World magazine. She is the current director of operations for SFWA. Along with her sales of fiction in the genre, she is a narrator with over 300 credits to her name. Genevieve Rommel is a popular cover illustrator with clientele ranging from IDW, Aspen, Tales Told LLC, which includes the Lady Death title, Big Dog Inc., Xenoscope, Devil's Due Publishing, and more independent companies. Dacre Calder Stoker is the great-grandnephew of Bram, Bram Stoker and the best-selling co-author of Dracula the Undead from 2009, the official Stoker family-endorsed sequel to Dracula. Dacre is the co-editor of the Lost Journal of Bram Stoker, The Dublin Years, from 2012. Kevin Eldridge produces and hosts the Flopcast, a weekly podcast covering various geek-friendly subjects for the ESO Broadcast Network and is the author of the science fiction story in this year's ESO anthology. He is the organizer for Boston Skeptics and hosts their monthly skeptics in the pub events. I think Yay. we know that guy. Yay, yeah, Kevin. <laughs> we, are, we are very happy that Kevin is on the list. T.C. Fisher is a concept artist in the video game industry for nearly 10 years, working on such titles as Elder Scrolls Online, XCOM, and Civilization 5 and 6, as well as in book form for Paizo Publishing's Pathfinder and Starfinder series. Davey Bochamp is an art artist, writer, podcaster, and librarian. His art has been used by BBCA, The Geek Gala, and GnomeCon. He has now started working on book covers. Davy is currently working on artwork for Penguin UK BBC children's books for their Doctor Who The Illustrated Adventures. The two Doctor Who adventures he illustrated are Robot, the first Tom Baker adventure as the fourth Doctor, and Black Orchid, featuring Peter Davison as the fifth Doctor. Kelly Yates is an illustrator best known for his work on Doctor Who with both IDW and Titan Comics. In addition, he writes and illustrates the creator-owned books Amber Adams and Monster. Tony Chastine was the illustrator behind the Talesman graphic novel, co-written by Stephen King and Peter Straub, and 12-gauge image, image comics, The Occult Crimes Task Force, or the OCT, co-created by David Atchison and Rosario Dawson. 
Kevin Sorbo rose to international stardom in the title role of the hit series Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, but has become equally well-known as Dylan Hunt in the science fiction series Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. And he was most recently in Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Mm. Rachel Pendergrass is a writer, humorist, and science communicator. She hosts the quirky and fun internationally touring Solve for X Science Variety Show. Her writing can be seen on McSweeney's, National Lampoon, Red Book, How Stuff Works, Eater, Martha Stewart Living, and the ever-beloved Dragon Con TV. <laughs> Jimmy Palmiotti is an award-winning character creator with a wide range of experience in advertising, production, consulting, editorial, film writing, development and production, media presentation, and video game development. His current work includes Harley Quinn and Starfire for DC Comics, the con job for Boom, and he currently has three feature films in development, Painkiller Jane, Random Acts of Violence, and Killing Time in America. Amanda Connor is an American comic book artist and commercial art illustrator. She began her career in the late 1980s for Archie Comics and Marvel Comics before moving on to contribute work for Claypool Comics, Soul Searchers and Company, and Harris Comics Vampirilla in the 1990s. Amanda's current work can be seen in Harley Quinn and Starfire monthly for DC Comics. Bobby Nash is an award-winning author, and he writes novels, comic books, short stories, novellas, graphic novels, and more. Bobby has several projects slated to appear in 2017. Congratulations to you, Yay! James A. Moore is the best-selling, award-winning author of over 40 novels, is one of the hosts of the Three Guys with Beers podcast, and has worked in comics and role-playing games as well. Forthcoming novels include Alien, Devil Inside, and The Last Sacrifice. Tom Heintes is the co-founder and publisher of the Eisner Award-winning Hogan's Alley magazine, one of the leading magazines on contemporary and classic cartooning. He is a former managing editor of the Comics Journal and for years wrote biographical essays for Will Eisner's Spirit magazine for Kitchen Sink Press. You may have seen R.J. Hattie on Sci-Fi's Face-Off, Season 2, where he was the runner-up, and Season 5, or the spinoff show Foxy and Company. You definitely see him conducting makeup workshops at DragonCon. RJ specializes in elaborate self-made cosplay. Adam Crosdell is a film, TV, and voice actor who's worked with Alan Rickman on The West End. He starred as Baldur in Supernatural, Hook's father in Once Upon a Time, and is Bothwell in Rain. For video games, he's Torben in Middle-Earth, Shadow of Mordor, and Ignis Scientia in Final Fantasy... 15. Anthony Taylor is an artist, author, screenwriter, and film historian from Atlanta, Georgia. His books include The Future Was Fab, The Art of Mike Trim and Arctic Adventures, an official Thunderbirds original novel. His work has appeared in Famous Monsters, Fangora, Scream, SFX, and many other magazines. Another good friend of the station. It's good to see these familiar names on here. Mm-hmm. Meredith Rose is a public interest policy geek defending consumer rights in the digital age in Washington, D.C. She works extensively on copyright, telecommunications, and tech policy issues. She's also a gamer and cheerleader for fandom who works on mobilizing fan communities to take part in national policy debates. Susan Spencer is a pattern maker and fashion costume designer and former network security analyst. She's developed groundbreaking techniques to produce custom-fitted patterns by hand with software. She is the product manager for Valencia Free Open Source Pattern Software and is costume track director at Anacron. Anacron. 
It's an Ekakon. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Tallulah Love celebrates her sixth year producing the DragonCon Burlesque Glamour Geek Review. As a lifetime nerd and 15-year burlesque veteran, she really knows how to put on a show. She's a multi-title winning performer, producer, part owner, and teacher at Atlanta's only school for burlesque, the Atlanta School of Burlesque. Wow. That's her sixth year. Wow. It doesn't seem like she's been doing it that long, but goodness. Right. Nick Edelstein, the captain of Trek Rock, is back. Set faces to stun with electric guitar wizardry and lyric with the one and only Nick Edelstein. Described by Performer Magazine as dazzling, mesmerizing, breathtaking guitar work. Nick has been igniting star bases across the galaxy for two decades. Mikey Mason, radio-ready, catchy geek rock comedy as seen on NBC and heard on Dr. Demento and Nerdist.com. Hawthorne and Holly are pop punk band that plays songs about Harry Potter and other fandoms. Started in 2007 from Charlotte, North Carolina, Leah Schroeder, Schroeder and Christy Mowry wave get gorgeous harmonies and Eddie Mowry on guitars while Dave Bucar slaps the bass. Richard Scott Harmon is best known for his role as John Murphy in the CW's one, The 100. Harmon is also known for his roles as Jasper Ames in The Killing and Julian Randall in Continuum. Harmon received critical praise for his role in the movie If I Had Wings. Christopher Larkin currently portrays Monty Green on the CW series The 100. Luciana Caro is a Toronto-born actress known for her dramatic and comedic roles on American television and feature films. She's best known as Luann Cat Catrain on Battlestar Galactica. And, shoo! <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, big month for guest announcements. Uh, they were really working overtime in 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 uh, posting those online. But um, so thank you both for uh, reading that. And there are a lot more uh, guests that we didn't include. So uh, please feel free to check out the official DragonCon site or their Facebook page to find out the latest and greatest of uh, guests' announcements. Um, one that has not been added to the list yet, so uh, I, it was not one that you could read off, but it's actually going to be on the website very soon, is the fact that uh, myself, Mike Gordon, is going to be uh, is now a guest at DragonCon this year. Um, uh, I did all the paperwork last week, so it should be on the website pretty soon, and so I can announce it here first. And officially, I will be a guest. This will be my seventh year as a guest at DragonCon, and it is a great honor to be part of the show. Uh, I will have a table once again at uh, Artist Alley. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just – I wouldn't know what to do with myself, I think, if, if at this point I didn't have a table there. So. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. So, uh, very nice. Thanks again for uh, reading off that list. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, that's all to do with guests. And, of course, there's a lot to see, a lot of folks to see, a lot to do at DragonCon. Um, but uh, one of the things that I've been hearing, and this is our main topic of the month, uh, one of the things that I've been hearing oh, more and more uh, in discussions online and with people in general is that DragonCon is just too expensive. People can't go because it's just too much money. Um, and, uh, so it did actually make me wonder if DragonCon has been getting to a point where, um, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like Disney World or Disneyland or any of those uh, huge theme parks where you have to really budget 
and sometimes for some folks it'll take a while before they can uh, reach that that amount where they can enjoy uh, the experience as, as much as possible. Um, so I want to put it to you guys. Do you think that a Do you think that Dragon Con is 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 too expensive or is is sort of an event like Disney where you can really only enjoy it if you spend a lot or is it possible? to do Dragon Con on a, on a decent-sized budget so you don't have to spend a lot of money. Angela, we'll start with you, since, uh, since, yeah, since the others are still probably catching their breath from, re- breath from reading the, the, uh, the list of names there. Okay, yeah, can you hear me? Yes. Awesome. Um, yeah, you can definitely do Dragon Con on a budget. I've done it many, many years on a budget. There was one year where I spent way, like, 60 bucks on food the entire weekend. So like wow. I've, I've always had to budget out for Dragon Con because like the hotel room is always the biggest chunk of money for the convention for me. So, I mean, you have to figure out other ways that you're still good to go for the entire weekend and will be able to have fun while not spending an arm and a leg. Did yeah, you I'm, take? Did you t- did you plan your meals and like? Did you take food with you? Food and drink with you? I I had I always bring some waters with me, and I also keep a water bottle so I can fill up if there are water containers around. And then um, snacks. I always I'm I'm a tea snob, so I bring my own tea with me and all of that. But then for like meals, I just I ate in the food court and I ate at the places that weren't super expensive. So I was spending less than ten dollars a meal. And over the course of four to five days, that's not really $20 a day, three to four days, you've got that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because that's what I've found. I've, I've, I've found that if you take a cooler and you pack some snack food and you, you know, bring your drink, be it, you know, alcohol or not, and you bring that with you, that can really cut down on your cost while you're at Dragon Con. The, uh, yeah, definitely. I do the same thing with food. Um, like my one of my best friends that comes with me lives in Manhattan, so she flies down, right? And so she can't be like buying anything or bringing really anything with her. Um, so I go out like the week before, and I just buy everything that we're both going to want to drink that week um, and snacks for the room. So we don't necessarily buy and prepare all of our meals ahead of time um but we make sure we have something for breakfast for every day because we're usually running out the door to go to our volunteer gigs um and don't have time to eat anything and then like a a lot of snacks so like enough snacks that if you don't have time to get lunch but you're hungry you can you know make lunch happen um and then just stuff to have in the room. So we'll usually have like one big meal a day, like in the food court, and then everything else is kind of snacks. Um, and I know it definitely sucks, like spending all that money on the front end. It's not fun. But then like the whole week, you feel like you're doing really good because you haven't spent any money. So um, that's how I like to do it. It's definitely cheaper that way than to try and like figure it out as you go. Um well, it, it isn't always, but it can be if you're smart. The um, I, I always felt that the well, or I kind of felt that the similarity to something like Disney was, uh, you know, kind of apt in terms of, you know, Disney. If you get, um, you know, like a four, a four park ticket, 
basically it's almost about a hundred dollars to get into a park a day, right? So now Dragon Con right now for a four day membership is 125. So obviously that's a little bit cheaper, but um, so right off the bat though, to get in to the venue to, to experience Dragon Con, you're looking at spending $125. Um, with the with the room situation, certainly if you stay in a host hotel, that's going to jack up your your price right there in terms of your expenses. And you do people will have to budget for that. I mean, I do. Uh, that's the that's the main thing that I have to worry about. And and even more so now because a lot of those uh, room charges, as we've talked about, and as Zan has mentioned several times, is that you have to pay all of them up front. I mean. My room at DragonCon at the Marriott is already paid for because they had me char- they charged me once in October and the rest of it in March. So so on the one hand, that was a lot of money, but on the other hand, it's it's all done. I don't have to worry about char- like I don't have to worry about budgeting that for the actual show itself. Um now, for some people who are going to get um their next hotel uh for the next year, uh, during Dragon Con, they will have to come up with some upfront money. So that's that's something they have to budget for as well. Um, but I also, you know, we I, I stay in a room with three uh, with two other people, sometimes three. So that knocks the hotel cost for me down to less than a hundred dollars a night. And and that I think is significant because really, if you're if you're looking at uh, if you if you don't have someplace local to stay. Then um, you know about a hundred dollars a night or less than a hundred dollars a night is probably um, a, a tough thing to get for Dragon Con. Totally, and you know once you go to Dragon Con, you, once you get that first year under your belt, you kind of know what to expect. And Dragon Con is one of those things where where you can do it on a budget, or you can spend a ton of money there. You know, are you going to want to go to the dealers? Now, if you plan on doing a lot of dealer shopping at DragonCon, you're going to run up your costs. Also, if you plan, if you know, if you don't plan ahead, but you plan to party, your bar bills are going to be run up pretty high while you're there too. <laughs> but that's all. But that a lot of that comes with that first DragonCon experience, and then knowing what to expect the next year and and starting to plan according, accordingly. I mean, I honestly, I start saving for DragonCon. The next, as soon as one year's done, I start saving the next year. I start putting a little bit back, just so it's not trying to scrape up a bunch of money at uh, you know at the at the end of the year or or at the next Dragon Con. Um, if you plan ahead, it's like anything in life. If you plan ahead and budget for it, you can make it happen usually. And yeah, absolutely. Oh, like once you Dragon Con's one of those things you can do like so many different ways. You just need to go one time and kind of figure out what kind of experience you want to have, and then kind of go from there. If if your one of your big concerns is meeting, you know, going to the Walk of Fame area, getting photo ops and all that kind of stuff, that is going to cost you a pretty penny. Um, especially, I mean, obviously, the bigger the name. The more expensive it's going to be, and and and, and at least in that area, um, there's not. It's even now. There's not, especially now, even selfies and stuff like that. I mean, there's no such thing as a as a free photo op now. Um, things used to be included, but uh, not so much now. Yeah, I'm more of a fan of the buckets of rum, so that's what I have to plan for. 
Yep. Uh, I, I, I get that. Yeah, well, that's the other thing, too. I mean, if you are getting your drinks at one of the hotel bars, I mean, that's obviously uh, a lot more, a lot pricier than uh, if you can make some arrangements with somebody, uh, certainly if you're all sharing a room to uh, to go on over and uh, to, to go to a package store, you know. I think, now, does CVS actually have booze as well? I think beer. They're just beer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't have yeah. liquor, right? No. Gotcha. Um, I also want to point out uh, that uh, even though uh, she couldn't join us this month, uh, Dacoma, uh, our good friend Dacoma Sanchez, actually sent us uh, some ideas and suggestions for uh, for doing Dragon Con on a budget. Um, she says, I can say that sharing rooms, taking Marta from your off-site hotel, shuttle to airport, and then Marta in, also booking a hotel that has breakfast, grab all the granola bars and fruit you can. <laughs> Fruit are pick-me-ups in their own containers. Uh, she also starts a Smarty Pig savings account every year after con and drops uh, 5 to $50 a paycheck in it for spending money in a hotel. Uh, they are FCC and accrue interest and lets you earn extra percentage off things like Amazon and select hotels. Oh, that's a good point. It's like uh, yeah. Sorry, but I just I hadn't thought of... Um that program before and that's a great idea to use for dragon yeah i mean obviously i mean as you guys mentioned if you know you're going um and that's why we kind of try to do these um you know these dragon con reports all year round because there's enough uh news and there's a lot of things to prepare for uh throughout the year i mean you know we're talking about uh, uh budget is a big one you know, and obviously where you're going to stay, how you're going to get there, your travel arrangements, et cetera, et cetera. That all has to be worked out way in advance. I mean, you can, the more stuff I think that you do on the fly, the more expensive it's going to be for you. Oh, absolutely. And like Mary was saying earlier about the, uh, the breakfast bars and, and, and kind of bringing that with you, anything that you can bring with you that, that otherwise you might have to buy at, in a hotel lobby it's you know it's going to cost you twice as much to buy a breakfast bar at a hotel lobby as it is to buy it at Walmart in a big box and bring it with you. So um, I'm a big proponent of stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I really like the like V8 makes these little like um, juice energy drinks, and I keep one of those for every morning, and I just like drop it in my bag when I head out the door, and that's like part of my breakfast, and then I'll usually bring like fruit is a great like thing like Tacoma said um that's a great option and as because especially because it doesn't have as much garbage it's easier to get rid of um anything small that you can just throw in a bag and have with you is a great idea um and anything with protein obviously like if you can bring a hard-boiled egg with you or something like that um if you have a refrigerator in your room like something with protein is going to sustain you a lot longer until you can get to a real food yeah. Uh, Angela, you mentioned the the cheaper restaurants in the food court. What are what are some of those restaurants that you have found that you tend to go to that are a little cheaper than the rest? Well, I mean, most of them are um, are all like quick serve type restaurants. So you can basically get your meals for under ten dollars. There's the Pad Thai place that I normally like a lot. And then there's like a new Indian place that opened up the last couple years. Mm-hmm. That was really good. Um, 
the crap what's it called it's the little mexican pl- or a quesadilla place it's like moe's but it's not and i don't remember it it's towards the entrance when you're coming in from outside i can't even remember but they do like quesadillas and burritos and stuff so yeah isn't that stuff- moe's? don't they have a moe's right there no, they have a moe's but that one's not moe's it's the other place gotcha gotcha because I know and, they I mean, have the even, standard, like, they have the standard, you know, Subway, Chick-fil-A, that kind of thing, so. Yeah, and even with burritos, they're big enough that you can get two meals out of them, depending on how you store them, so. Yeah, and, you know, Mike, you were talking about doing Dragon Con on a budget, and I think and that kind of goes to two areas, a budget of money and also a budget of time. Because as Angela was talking about, if you want to go to the food court, you need to allow plenty of time to get through that food court at Dragon Con. Just about, uh, and that applies to just about everything involved with Dragon Con. Never go at lunchtime. No. <laughs> go, go right before or right after, because that's when you'll have the lulls and you'll be able to get through the line super quick. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, that's, I mean, we talked a lot last time about, like, transportation and how to save money there. Um, So, really, you can do the con in a couple different ways. Like, for me, I like to go stay in the host hotel, and while that is more expensive, it saves me a lot of time and transportation and possibly money, too, um, especially if I've, like, carpooled and parking doesn't end up being a whole lot, and we were smart about that. Um, and we can keep all of our alcohol and food on site. So if I need another beer, all I got to do is go upstairs and get it. Um, and so it saves you money a little bit in that way. But um, it also provides you, I think, a more immersive experience. So I don't have to go outside in my costume if I don't want to or worry about um, changing clothes somewhere that's not already where I am. Um, that kind of stuff. But a lot of, But I'm also not there for panels and celebrity interaction. Like those aren't things that are important to me. So I'm more about being there in the evening. But if you're someone who is really interested in panels and is really interested in like going to the dealer room or getting an autograph, that kind of stuff, um, you might not necessarily need to stay at a host hotel. Staying offsite and transporting in might be totally reasonable for you. And if that's something that you're doing, then that's going to save you a lot of money. Uh, So you just kind of got to think about what you want to get out of the con before you can find the least expensive way to do it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are are definitely certain items that you're just not going to be able to get around. Like if you want to get, you know, Matt Smith's autograph, you're going to, there's no other way around it. You can't have a Groupon for that, right? There's just, it's going to be whatever it's going to be. I don't know how much he charges, but we'll probably, it's probably around a hundred and that's, for a signature or a photograph. If you want both, boom, that's going to double it. So, um, and, and unfortunately, you know, there's no way to know a lot of those prices before you go to Dragon Con. You can kind of get an idea if you look around at other cons that they've been to, um, because some conventions are pretty good about, about uh, telling you how much uh, celebrity signatures and photo ops are going to be ahead of time. But DragonCon, unfortunately, is just um, is just a different beast, and they don't they don't usually have that information. So you're really um, you know going in cold. But I would say certainly for you know the bigger names, 
you know, it's going to be, uh, you know, try to budget, you know, uh, it's not insane to say that it's a hundred dollars, you know, for each a signature and a photograph. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly for, for lower tier, you know, folks or less popular folks. I mean, you're going to, it's still like in between 30 and 60, I think. Maybe on average fifty. I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of crazy. You just never know who you know how much they're going to charge. Some may surprise you and charge far less than you thought, and some might go. Some you might get somewhere and you'd be like, "Wow, I can't believe that that's you know so much." So, and that's where having a plan for everything else, such as food and obviously lodging, is like we've all said, kind of. That's kind of done by the time you get there. But having you know a spending plan in place allows you to have, you know, your spending money that you can use for stuff like that, you know, and, um, yeah, just plan ahead. I, I definitely encourage people to spend money in artist alley, particularly at my table. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, I will be there all weekend and, and I take, you know, cash credit. Um, uh, so I, I'm good. Uh, but no, really, um, you know, there's a, a lot of things that, I think you can only get at, at conventions. And I do think that, you know, whereas some of the, um, the, the dealers, you know, are, are things that you have kind of the, the dealer's room in the exhibit exhibition hall or exhibitors hall has kind of been a little less busy, uh, over the years simply because people can get that online. They're basically shopping with their eyes rather than their wallets. Um, although, you know, the, the American Smart is is one of the busier and, and crowded areas of the convention because they're all there. But um, I've heard from many, many vendors over the years that it doesn't seem as um, as as they don't it's not as much in sales as it used to be. But I do think, you know, as far as uh, Artist Alley, I mean, that's a that's a chance where you can get a an item that you can't get online. You know, if if you get a sketch by a certain artist or you have an experience with a uh, with an author, um, uh, an author or a artist, because uh, the authors are set up there too. And most of the authors, there are some authors that do uh, free autograph sessions, um, and even your big name authors would do that. Uh, that's programmed into uh, DragonCon with certain times and, and areas that they have for those signatures. So I would definitely look at that because, you know, you can have a pretty great experience and get uh, a hardcover, uh, you know, that you've always wanted to get signed. You can get that done for free. Hey, Mike, I have a question. You actually living in Atlanta, you can probably answer this. I mean, not everyone drives to DragonCon. If you're coming from you know, a, a non-drivable distance, obviously you're flying in to Atlanta. And so what is, what is the best way to budget for transportation as far as from, from the airport to wherever your hotel arrangement might be, be it downtown, just use the convention hotels as an example. Yeah, we, we've covered this before, but it also, you know, I, I, I don't mind repeating it because um, Atlanta and particularly when it comes to Dragon Con, as far as, you know, getting from the airport to the con, it's it's as easy as taking MARTA. I mean, you you that's a that's a anybody who's paying for a cab or Uber fare for the airport to get downtown, it's an unnecessary unless you've got a lot of stuff, uh, it's an unnecessary expense because you can get the train right at the airport and it'll take you right downtown to where all the host hotels are. 
Um, that is, is, is as cheap as it gets as far as the shuttle there. Now, transportation, uh, otherwise, you know, is, is, is a, is a trick. And, and we've, you know, we've kind of gone over some tips on that before, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think like Mary said, um, even though you look at the expense of the host hotels and how much the Marriott costs per night, but a when you split that up with how uh, how many roommates that you have, and you know whereas I'm even though I'm local, if I was to you know drive down, I'd have to find a place to park, and parking would be an expense, uh, and that adds up over the four or five days, uh, because Dragon Con's not just four days now, <laughs> it's unofficially a lot more than that, um, and. You know, it, and and also you don't get to experience. It becomes budgeting time wise because you lose a lot. Like if I'm going home uh, every night, then there's a whole part. There's a that's about three or four hours at least of Dragon Con that I'm going to miss. And uh, right. I can't. I don't want to. I can't do that, especially now that uh, I, I have a table to maintain there in the morning. And uh, you know, it usually closes up around six in the afternoon. So. So, uh, I mean, my, my opportunity to enjoy the rest of the con is a lot more limited to only uh, nighttime stuff now, whereas before I could do that throughout the day. So ever since I've been a guest there, I've, I've, I've got a hotel room down there because it just makes more sense for me uh, to do that um, uh, budget uh, time-wise, you know. Yeah, you're and definitely it's also good to re- a certain amount of paying for convenience when it comes to Dragon Con and the experience that you want, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any last thoughts on, on you know, so so I guess are we, so we're saying that it is possible. I mean, Dragon Con hasn't priced themselves out of being like uh, something for, you know, the everyday person to enjoy. Uh, is it is it something, I mean, obviously it depends on what you're into, but I, I mean, I, as far as the experience goes, um, you know, I, I love it so much that to me, it's a priceless experience every year that I, I can't do without. I've been going every year nonstop consecutively for over 20 years now. And to me, it's, it's just, you know, I mean, if they jacked up the prices across the board to twice as much, I probably still would pay it just because I enjoy the experience so much. I mean, it's one of those things that it really depends on how badly you want to be there. Like, for me, that's the only, pretty much the only vacation that I take all year because it costs so much. So, like, if you really want to be there, you know, you're going to make it happen and budget throughout the year. And then consider an option like volunteering. Like, that can save you almost your entire badge price, even in your first year. Um, Like, That'll say, what's a badge now? I don't even know since I don't pay for one. Is like, would you say it was $160 or something? Yeah, right now it's $125 for the weekend, but it'll go like, up. Yeah. But that's a major expense that you can save yourself by just committing, you know, a few hours of your time to volunteering. And um, you can do stuff like that, sharing rooms, uh, buying your food ahead of time, uh, just little things like that that I think can make it doable for almost anyone who really, really wants to be there. Um, there just comes a time 
I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people when they're not willing to spend that money or put in the effort to make it inexpensive. And that's totally fair. But if you really want to be there, I think it's totally um, possible. Very good. Very good. Angela, anything now? I mean, it's totally doable. I've, can you hear me? Sorry. I've had some issues with my, my mute. Um, yeah, no, it's totally doable. I do it every year. I mean, I have done DragonCon for years on a part-time teacher salary. So it's one of those things where you just have to know what to put aside and where and know that the hotel room is going to cost that much. I've been lucky enough that I've been pressed for the past few years, so I haven't had to pay for a badge. So that was an expense I had to worry about. But even with the badges – if you get them at the con for the next year, they're cheaper. You can save like 30, 40 bucks on your badge, stuff like that. If you're planning on going, you know, in 2018 and stuff like that. So it's just planning ahead and knowing what you have to put aside for what. Absolutely. Any last thoughts, JP? Uh, yeah, I just agree with everything that was just said. And, you know, as you mentioned, the parking, that's something you definitely need to keep in mind. You know, if you're driving down the, even if you've already paid for your hotel, chances are they, they're still going to hit you up for the parking uh, once you get down there. And, uh, yeah. And then, you know, it's just, it's just part of the plan. And, uh, don't, you, you know, you, when you mentioned the convenience thing, that there is a lot of impulse convenience spending that is available at Dragon Con, and you just have to decide if you're going to participate in that. If you're, are you going to spend five dollars for a slice of pizza at two o'clock in the morning from Papa John's tent, you know, or or is that something that's not in your budget? And um, I, I'm sad to say I fall prey to that more often than not. But you know, you just yep. um, have to have to have a plan. Yeah, well, yeah. I think you also have to understand too that and budget for the fact that. You know, you might not be in full control of your uh, budgetary limitations uh, at late at night. Like, That's true. There might be impulses. Yeah, but they, that put you... in that, they put in that Papa John's hut. That was the end. The end. <laughs> it was all over for Drunk Mary and yeah. her money. <laughs> and the hot dog buffet in the Hyatt Regency. Yes. Bottom floor, yeah. Yeah, I don't really go over there, but when I am, like, every time, I'm like, oh, hot dog buffet. Uh, that looks delicious. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even, it's I didn't only even $15. Know about dollars. I didn't even know about the hot dog. Only $15. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Plus tip. It's so cheap. Right. Well, um, awesome. as, I wanted to mention, as far as parking, there is a website that allows you to reserve your parking spot in advance, and I can't remember off the top of my head what it's called. It's like Parking Monkey or Fish or something. I think it's Parking Panda, right? Yeah, Parking Panda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a great option for if, if you want to, like, budget. You can, you know, get an idea of what it's going to cost ahead of time. Absolutely. And don't have a reserved spot. You don't have to drive around Atlanta looking for a parking space because that's oh. not fun. No, mm-hmm. that's not how you want to spend the con. And and it's really tricky, too, on Saturdays with the parade. Yes, exactly. Well, very cool. Well, um, all good information. Thanks again. Um, and, uh, and speaking of information, it's time to uh, turn it over to Eternal Zan, who's going to tell us a little bit more about uh, saving some money by getting a roommate. And now, once again, we have with us Zan, back with us again this month. Welcome back. Thank you very much. 
I do have a... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's good to finally talk to you. You Usually Faber gets to do this, but uh, I'm here for you this month. Yeah, well, you know, one mic, another mic. But you're all the same, right? <laughs> interchangeable, is that right? Just seen, <laughs> exactly. One mic, you've seen them all? Okay, got it. As long as I'm talking to a mic, I'm good. Yes, yes. Mics are good for recording. Yeah, a mic of some kind. <laughs> exactly. So what you got for us? Well, I, oh my goodness, I have so much stuff this month, so I'm going to try and get through it all. Um, first off, I thought this was particularly funny. Last month, I was asking other Mike about the Dragon Con night at the aquarium, and in last month's episode, I was reading off some stuff that they had recently published about that, and I asked him if he knew, they had listed light bites as a feature of the Dragon Con Night at the Aquarium, and I asked Mike if he knew what that meant, and he didn't either. Well, I think it was a typo, because they spelled it L-I-T-E, <laughs> and later, later, I there was an updated posting where they spelled it L-I-G-H-T, so apparently light bites means like finger food. Like hors d'oeuvres or something? Yeah. Yeah. And when they spelled it the other way, I was thinking like light bright, something electronic and cool at the aquarium. No, it just means they're going to have food. That's they're all just that going to have fish food. Exactly. They're going to have fish finger food. <laughs> right. So I just thought that was funny that I couldn't figure out what light bites meant because it was a typo. So, okay, so some brief big news before I get to the main topic of how to be a room host. Brian Humphrey has photo passes available in the DragonCon store now. So go get them. Go to dragoncon.org and then click on the link to the store, which just says store right there on the homepage, and that'll take you to the DragonCon store. You can either look under memberships or new items, and they're the most recent things added to the store, so they'll be sorted right to the top. And that is professional photography in the Marriott, taken with good lighting, which I'm not 15 anymore, so I appreciate the professional-level lighting that Brian has down there. It's going to make me and my costume look awesome. Brian get- is amazing. He's been doing this for, oh, uh, almost, I think, over a decade. I don't know of too many other uh, con photographers that are near as good as he is. I mean, we've talked to him a few times on this show. Um, he's a good friend of the station, and he's one of the best photographers out there. So, yeah, I highly suggest that. Just don't miss out on that opportunity. And he's got tons of information. You can look him up, Brian Humphrey, mad scientist with the camera. He's on Facebook. He's got a website. And all those links are you can find them straight from the Dragon Con store. Another thing is I started a new Facebook group because apparently I'm just not on Facebook enough, which is an unofficial fan group for Dragon Con volunteers. And it's just Facebook slash group slash Dragon Con volunteers. Again, unofficial fan thing, like a lot of the things I do online are unofficial fan things. And that's just a place for people to ask questions, whether you're a current volunteer or interested in becoming one. And we only have a few members because we just started, but I'm hoping that it'll grow over the over time. And much like the Dragon Con Rooms group that I also participate in as a moderator, hopefully it'll become a place that's just really useful because of the incredible member participation in there. So my main topic this month is going to be about being a broom host. But before I get to that, I'd wanted to talk about the parade for a little bit because it had been mentioned previously on this podcast that maybe this would be the last year for the parade. Now, did you hear the current news on that, Mike? I still I hear rumblings. 
but nothing has been officially announced one way or another. So, uh, I well, mean, we do know actually, that the parade is going on for sure this year. So that it's it's a sure bet this year. But um, anything else beyond that? Um, if you've got news, yeah, let's do it. I do, I do. Um, so, well, actually, this is. A comment from Jan Price, who is the head of the parade, so this is official, as official as it gets, and she addressed these exact rumors in the official group for the parade, the Dragon Con Parade Facebook group, and here is her exact quote in direct response to people asking her about this rumor. Quote, there were reasons the ru- – this is a subset of her quote, but it does accurately reflect what she said. Quote, there were reasons the rumor got out there last year. Those reasons, which I will not go into, no longer exist. There may come a year when there is a last Dragon Con parade, but that year is not in the long foreseeable future. It is a marquee event for the city and the con. It brings in a huge amount of revenue for the city and the downtown merchants. Let's put the rumor to bed once and for all. Thanks. So that is the official word from the head of the parade. Excellent. Thank you for that. And there will be no more mention of it here. Until, so, yeah, until I'm another rumor glad, pops up. No, yeah, kidding. I'm very glad to hear it because none of us wanted it to be the last year. So no, I'm no, reassured w- by that. Absolutely. It wasn't something. It never came out of anything that what we wanted, but it was just something that was always out there. So very good. Very good. So, yes, I'm happy to hear that has been addressed. Uh, also, she will be releasing a list of parade groups that still have spaces, and she'll be doing that in the Dragon Con um parade facebook group no date has been announced about when she'll be doing that but i highly suggest joining the parades facebook group to stay on top of this or you can email jan price directly at dc underscore parade at dragoncon.org with any questions you might have so for example i still have a few spaces in my two parade groups which are the eternal members and friends parade group and the cult of marriott carpet parade group so All Eternal members and their friends are encouraged to join the first group. It's actually not just restricted to Eternal members because all fan-run activities for the Eternals are open to everyone. You don't have to be an Eternal to join us. And all carpet patterns are welcome in the Cult of Marriott carpet. It doesn't have to be the Marriott carpet technically, just, you know, any carpet. And, I, you know, because I, I know people that are fans of the other host hotels, too, like, you know, the mermaids. They love the Sheraton pool, so I'd love to have some mermaids join us with maybe some Sheraton carpet tails. That would be amazing. And as far as other groups that might have people, that's hopefully what Jan Price will be releasing so that people can find a group to join. Because if you want to join as an individual, there's a waiting list for that. But if you want to join a previously existing group that already reserved some spaces, you just have to do a little research and figure out what group you want to join. Excellent. So any questions on any of that before I move on to the main topic? Nope. Very good information, as always. Okay, wonderful. So my main topic, we I have previously covered advice on being a roommate in somebody's room at DragonCon, and this is how to be a room host, otherwise known as a reservation holder, the person who booked the room. But for short, I just call it a room host. That's just my habit. So my backstory on that is that I started off staying by myself at an offsite hotel years ago and walking over a mile uphill to the convention. I'm not making that up. I actually walked 
uphill to the convention. So in in the heat, uphill. Both ways. Both ways. And then I met some friends and I joined them as a roommate in their room. And then after a couple of years, they decided not to go every year. So I got my own room and became a room host. And I've been doing that ever since. And I, I go to multiple other conventions throughout the year, mostly in the Tampa or Orlando area. And sometimes I'm a room host and sometimes I'm a roommate. It just depends on my work schedule. So if you're a room host, my advice is to first figure out what your goal is. So are you trying to keep a certain kind of room environment or do you want to save the most amount of money? So how many people do you want in your room? What do you want your room rules to be? I definitely recommend deciding on your limits and sticking to them because what you think is common sense might not be to other people. So just lay out what you're comfortable with. People are going to try and negotiate with you, especially about the price. So be prepared for that. And I think that's true of both friends and strangers because everybody loves a good deal. But as a room host, what you have to keep in mind is the hotel is going to get their money from your credit card no matter what. And you've probably already paid at least a $300 or $600 deposit that's not refundable if you've got a room in a host hotel. And if, you stay, if you're staying at the Sheraton or the Marriott, you've paid for your entire stay already. That's already come off your credit card. So if your name and your credit card is on the room, you're responsible for any damages. So setting clear rules and expectations I think is pretty important. So real quick, speaking of money, there has been some chatter in the DragonCon Rooms group about saving money by using Airbnb. And a number of people have posted in there saying they thought they had a room with Airbnb, but then their room was canceled by the homeowner and then relisted at a higher price. And sometimes they weren't even told their room was canceled. They found out by checking up on their reservation. So if a deal seems too good to be true, whether it's with Airbnb or anywhere else, definitely double check it and stay on top of it. And in the case of Airbnb, they're not supposed to be able to just cancel your room like that. So read up on what the Airbnb rules are. And they do have procedures where you can report things like that because Airbnb doesn't want room hosts who are constantly booking and canceling on their guests. That's not good for them. So as a room host, the first thing you want to decide is who you're going to stay with. Your two choices are pretty much friends only or friends of friends, or you can open your room up to internet strangers. And some people seem to think that opening your room up to strangers is going to increase your risk of dropouts, but I haven't found that to be true just in my many years of personal experience. I've found the dropout rate is about the same for both because nobody wants to cancel going to Dragon Con, but life can happen. So I like to be prepared and have a waiting list. And I also recommend basing your deposit deadline for your roommates ahead of whatever the hotel's cancellation deadline is so that you have time to replace your roommate by using your waiting list if it if it comes to that. So if you're a roommate, remember that the reservation holder probably already paid a pretty big non-refundable deposit. So if they're treating you exactly the way that the hotel is treating them, then you're not going to be able to drop out at the last minute with no penalty because they might need to find your replacement before returning your money. Cancellations increase the cost, not just for the room host, but for all the roommates, you know, and hotels charge for no-shows too. So some room hosts might charge for no-shows as well. So both sides need to stay on top of the money. My next topic is screening. Yes, I have bullet points. 
my next topic is screening roommates. And I like to ask people what kind of roommate they're looking for. One of my standard questions is, what are your room requirements and deal breakers? So, like, what would your deal breakers be, Mike? Where you'd be, I don't def, I definitely wouldn't want to stay in that room. Uh, well, um, I'm pretty liberal, but you know, there is a, a, a there there would be like a noise factor. I mean, obviously, there'd have to be some parameters on on sleeping, like when people are sleeping. Oh, yeah, that's that's a big one. A lot of people set rules for the day and forget to set rules for the night. And I have day rules and night rules because I think night rules in a way are more important because in a lot of cases, you're not going to see each other during the day because you'll be at the convention. But when you'll be in the room with everybody is going to be at night. So both sides, nobody wants to room with somebody who's completely incompatible, room host or roommate. So it's really best to find that out before it's too late. And I always recommend people bring earplugs and sleeping masks because sometimes people don't realize they snore. And if you wake up easily, that's, that's important. So definitely get earplugs and a sleeping mask and test those out at home before the convention. Yeah. It's a, you know, um, sleep is a premium during Dragon Con. So then when you can get it, you need it. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So, well, that's, that's pretty, there there could also be rules about drinking or smoking, what you are and aren't allowed to do in the room. So for example, some Hyatt rooms have balconies that go to the outside. So that's really good that's a really good way to have smokers and non-smokers share a room is if your room has a balcony that goes outside because all the hotels don't allow smoking inside. So that's the only way you're going to get to smoke, you know, without leaving your room really. And I also had on my list that it's very important for the room host to be clear about what the roommates are getting for their money. So for example, some people charge the same amount for bed space versus floor space. Some people charge the same a rollaway bed costs extra and they can be limited sometimes to rooms with one king bed and those are limited in supply. So if you're not sure, I would always suggest bringing your own air mattress unless you don't mind sleeping on the floor. And also you might want to let your roommates know if their name is going to be on the room or if they're just getting a key that you're going to hand them because the name on the room comes with consequences. The first one is it's an increased cost. Putting somebody, each additional name on the room can easily be $20 per night more. And putting someone's name on the room lets people make charges to the room, including parking and room service. You can tell the hotel not to, but it's still it's still risky, you know, whether they're going to check those notes. And giving people the confirmation number means they can change the names and dates on the reservation, including canceling it. So you want to be careful about whose name as a room host you put on the room. It should really be people you trust. So, for example, like parking is separate, and that can be about $30 a day. So with three roommates, if they're all charging their parking you need to factor to the hotel, to the room, and you've decided that ahead of time, you're going to need to factor that into the cost. That makes sense. So I know we're running a little short on time. Is there anything that you want me to uh, make sure that I get to as one one last point that you'd like to hear addressed? Well, uh, what would you say is the most important factor when it comes to, you know, selecting a, a roommate as, for, as, as, as a host? I mean, do you, do you recommend that they that is it is it a, a thing where you're like, well, uh, make sure they pay you up front, or 
you know, that kind of thing. Is it monetary? I would say do your research about where you want to stay because that's what most people are looking for is they're looking for a specific hotel. So I would say if you understand the rules of the hotel that you're staying at, then your room host should be sticking fairly close to those rules. And that also ensures that you're not, that you know your roommate, that you know your room host isn't promising something they can't deliver. Like they're saying this hotel has a pool, but their website says the hotel has no pool. You know, things like that, that can be a little fishy where you can tell that your room host is not, you know, is not, might not be giving you what they promised. Gotcha. That makes sense. Because every because everybody's got things that are important to them. So, for example, are you paying for bed space or floor space? That's a big one. Where are you going to sleep? Absolutely. Well, uh, it's definitely great information, and certainly on an episode where you know we just covered um, if it's possible to do Dragon Con on a budget. Obviously, you know having roommates and sharing rooms, uh, room space is definitely a way that everybody can enjoy the con um, easily in terms of uh, the financial burden. Right. Yeah. So for room hosts, the biggest thing is to have deadlines for deposit, payment, cancellation, and your refund policies. And if someone doesn't pay you on time and you can't get in touch with them in a reasonable amount of time, move down your waiting list and replace them because the hotel's getting their money either way. Yeah. In some cases, it's already had it. It's already got it. (laughs) Exactly. So definitely, you know, definitely give people a chance, try to work things out, but know when it's time to move on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, thanks again for uh, the ton of information you pack in uh, to these segments every month. We really appreciate it. Um, And once again, where can people find you online? Well, I really enjoy reading the questions that listeners have. And one thing, one very good question that came up online was how to pack. So maybe I will address that in a future episode or that topic will be discussed. And people can submit their questions and topic ideas to esopodcast at gmail.com or comment on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash group slash esopodcast. And you can just search for esopodcast in your Facebook search bar. And if you want to leave a direct comment to me, my website is www.dragonconeternalmembers.com. There's also a page on there about the parade groups I mentioned that I still have a few spaces left in. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Anne. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. I look forward to talking to you next month. Yes. And last but not least, we are once again talking to Michelle. Welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me back. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm just glad that I get to talk to you this month. So, oh, that's that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing about you know uh, uh, Faber having some time off over the past weeks is that I'm able to actually talk to everybody this 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 month out. So, uh, <laughs> okay. So, 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 what are you covering? Um, I'm going to be discussing back health. Um, Ooh, there's something that we can all Yeah, do. and the topic, is, the the name of it, because I like to do names of them, are help, I'm, uh, I've fallen, I can't get up. And <laughs> the reason I'm doing this is um, I was walking into a grocery store to Earth Fair, and my phone rang and said I had a text, and it was one of the DVDers asking me for help because she had gotten, her back was spasming, and she was stuck on the floor and couldn't get up. And she was in Atlanta, so we're like, you know, hours away. And so I was trying to help her 
tried to explain to her what was going on with her back and what she could do and what exercises she could do while she was laying there to help, you know, get them to stop spasming. Um, the back is very, very, it's central to everything literally. When you build a scarecrow, the first thing you do is you build the frame that everything's going to hang on. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how humans are made basically as well. Um, well, most invertebrates, actually all invertebrates, because what they do is when our cells start to form, the first thing that's really made is the neural tube, and that's what ends up becoming um, the area where all the nerves are, and that's what gets made into the spine. Um, And what most people don't even think about is that's also, um, well, Maya had a teacher that always said, mouth to anus, mouth to anus, because that's also following the direct line of that. And the nerves come out of the spine. You have 24 vertebrae, three different areas. It's not always lower back pain that people deal with. That's what everybody thinks of when they hear back pain. Um, And so everybody knows core, but they don't think of, we're going to start at the neck real quick. The the way that your neck works, um, there's this very nice slight curve to it. Well, unfortunately because of our lifestyle now and also because we're now bipedal which we weren't before or bipedal um, our neck tends to go forward and when you're sitting at a computer in particular or when you're driving you find yourself with your neck very very forward which it will do a little bit but the more you do that the more pressure you're actually putting on Um, it, it starts to stiffen up it starts to hurt And often when you're having pains in between the shoulders, near the scapulas, the shoulder blades, what's actually happening is inferred pain that's coming from your neck because it can start in the neck and it travels down. And you have, much like the lower back and legs, in your shoulders and neck area, you have such a mass of uh, muscle and ligaments and tendons that are connected to the spine and go out and connect to all the other bones, well, What ends up happening is when you are stressing the neck vertebrae, the cervical vertebrae, you are actually basically, for lack of a better word, twanging the muscles that are along um, the thoracic area, upper region, by the scapulas. And so that's part of where that pain comes from. And because we have so many people that work on computers, when the neck starts to hurt, we start to roll our shoulders forward. And so basically, instead of being in the shape we should be, we become hunched, and that makes it worse. And we even have people that don't know why their their shoulders hurt so much or don't know why the areas where the scapula are, the, the, the shoulder blades are, they don't know why it hurts that much. And you get that stuff with the back pain in that area. We have people that their shoulder blades, well, their scapula start to lift up off of their back. And I've, I've seen this happen, and my husband has had it happen before, where I can be rubbing his back, and I can get my fingers underneath there because they're so far up. Jeez. Well, yeah, well, this is something that's very, very common. Oh, great, the phone's ringing. This is something that's very, very common because of our lifestyle and because when people do go to protect their back, they go for lower back, and they just work the core. Um, really and truly, you need to think beyond the core. You need to start really working Um, doing push-ups, really working anything that helps make the back better. I'm not going to give you exercises because you can do that on your own, but really and truly hit YouTube and anything that you're looking at there, weigh and balance it and see what works for you and what um, 
who really has done their research because that will really help you. Now, going to the core, what most people also don't do is they tend to do the same type of sit-ups or anything to tighten up that area. Well, it's not just a tighten up that area thing. You have muscles that come off, and there's so many of them, one of which is called the psoas or iliopsoas because it's actually two different pieces that come together. And the psoas on both sides actually attach to the lower ribs, um, one in particular, and then they go down inside your pelvic girdle and attach to the leg. And um, they tighten the more you sit. And if you don't keep your flexibility and you don't work on keeping things flexible, the tighter you get, the more you're going to have problems. There are a lot of people that all of a sudden when they gain weight or they change their job and they're sitting a lot, they find um, all of a sudden they're in a lot of pain in their back and they don't know why. Well, what's happening is as that area kind of atrophies or tightens, um, depending on what's going on with you, or as you gain weight, instead of your pelvic girdle staying on a flat plane the way it should, it starts to tip up. And that's that thing where your butt starts to kind of pop out. Right. Yeah, well, and I always call it the bowl full of jelly because um, it's your, your pelvic girdle needs to stay level. You need to keep the, sh the hips level. But what most people do, and I see it all the time, um, people start to like hyperextend their back and their stomachs fall forwards. That's the bowl full of jelly. And it's the more you do that, and even 10 pounds can do this to you, frankly, because it's the pull down and it makes you, your body starts to try to get comfortable the way it can because we're not trained to listen to our body and to keep things in the right form. And it's, it really is all of the things that you deal with. A lot of it is about posture, is about remembering to keep your shoulders. It sounds hard but and sounds odd, but you keep your shoulders, you kind of roll them back, and then you kind of bring them together. And as soon as you do that, you can tell the difference with the front, with your chest. It just kind of raises up. Your breathing is better. Your neck also starts to go back a little bit. And then you can tell if your bum is in the wrong place because you're, you're straightening up the areas that need to be straightened, so it's trying to do the natural curve. So you need to just do a slight tilt to your pelvis. And, I mean, it's tiny. And as soon as you do that, your core actually starts to be activated and tighten up and not just the areas that everybody tries to do where they do the front area because your abdomen, you've got so many abdominal muscles. And people also forget we have... Between the ribs, we actually have muscles. And if those areas, that's part of when you spasm, when your back is spasming, quite often it's starting because of your ribs. Because you've done something, and gaining weight can really cause that problem, or you've done something to really twang it. Um, here are things that can help you a lot. Having a really good mattress. Because your sleep quality, that's when your body is able to relax and repair itself and that's also when when you're in deep sleep you get the repair hormones basically and if you don't get a really good night's sleep you don't get the hormones to repair stuff and this is very important to you so a good mattress good shoes because especially if you're exercising you need to keep on top of your tennis shoes 
You need to make sure if you are running a lot, you switch your shoes out at a faster rate. If you're walking a lot of miles, you do the same thing. Anything that you are doing, you know, that's pounding, et cetera, and causing your shoes to compress, you need to get rid of those and make sure you get new ones at a good pace. Um, also, try to wear shoes that have a back on them and have a more solid base because if your feet start to move and you already have an alignment problem somewhere in your body, you're going to jack something out of place. Um, I get in trouble for this from my, my chiropractor, my husband's nodding, because um, I always wore mules, which have no back on them, and I danced. And so when you dance, you really need good shoes. Well, um, no. Anybody that's having problems with plantar fasciitis, more than likely it's your shoes and also the posture or the way you're standing, not having your pelvis in the right position. Um, good posture. I was just saying that. I have a list. Um, healthy, strong core. But here's the thing with the core. Don't just do sit-ups and stuff. You need to stretch the muscles, get an exercise ball, and do arches over it. When you do sit-ups, I told Mike Faber this, when you do sit-ups, use your exercise ball and do the reverse sit-ups where you're, you know, your hands behind your head and your feet solid on the floor while you're laying over the ball and then you lift up off of it because it actually helps. You, you think, oh, get the core tight. Well, you also have to work the back in that area. You need to have everything working, not just build up certain areas because that's going to jack you out of place too. Because we are, you wouldn't do it to a factory. Um, you wouldn't go in and fix one thing, but everything else is in bad shape because it's going to just break down at some point. Um, flexibility. There's a yoga a yogi saying that basically you can tell the age of the yogi master by the flexibility of their spine because they work their entire lives to get their spine where they can do backbends, etc. And if you do not use it, you honestly do lose it. You can regain some flexibility, but it's going to take you a very long time and you may never get back to that place. Plus, you could end up having damage because in some cases, particularly around the scapula area, you can build up scar tissue. And um, they, like a good massage therapist that can go in there and work it, can really help. But, but already knowing that you're dealing with stuff and working with it can keep you from having that problem. Um, get up and move. Even if you have a sedentary job, every 45 minutes, somehow, well, if you're doing an hour block, think of it as an hour block and try, even if you are sitting with headphones on and you're in a cubicle, move or like stand up whenever you can and move. Get like 15 minutes of it. Um, what else? Oh, two, th well, there are three things. One, meditation. Um, there are some really great research pieces that were actually originally done, like the Duke research on uh, cardiovascular health. And they actually found they were having people do meditation and it was really helping. But they also found this amazing thing that the spine was doing better because people were meditating. And um, so the back was healthier and they didn't expect this. And even to the point of the bone density was better in people that they were finding meditating a lot and these are people that they expected to see really bad results from because they already had health issues. But there's, there's a, it's a correlation with inflammation and stress, um, which brings me into stop smoking. One of the worst things that you can do for your body in general is smoking, for your spine in particular and your bones and your collagen. 
because smoking causes inflammation reactions. It basically keeps your collagen from replacing itself. And they found this really interesting thing about how bones decast, they lose parts of themselves. Um, And there's, they know that smokers have that more often. So do people that eat a lot of sugar and run the risk of being diabetic. So if you're going to have sugar, make it a special thing. If you want a piece of cake, have it once a week. Have that one soda a week. They're 80%, 20%. As long as you can do with that, you'll do a lot better. Um, and I'm trying to think, do you have any? Oh, vitamin D. It's D3, calcium, magnesium, zinc, K2, and a good fat. Because good fat being peanut butter, olive oil, avocado, etc., like that, walnuts. Um, because... Your body, your muscles can't relax without having the proper amount of magnesium. Your spine won't be healthy without the calcium, magnesium, D3, etc. And K2 helps zinc heals things and lets you heal things. Also good for sex drive. Um, and K2 helps the calcium go to the proper place instead of building up screwy plaque. Do you have any questions? I was trying to get through. <laughs> you just got. You just made it. Um... No, uh, no, actually, that is some really solid information, and and it's important too because, yeah, I think a lot of us do take uh, the back for granted, especially because I was just thinking about this the other day because, um, you know, it it doesn't seem like it's ever a gradual thing with your back. Like the like last weekend, I was doing some lifting and and doing some stuff, and then and nothing like I didn't feel anything as far as a twinge or anything like that. Then the I think it was the next day I I just sneezed and all of a sudden my back said that's it enough like I'm done and you had you had created an inflammation reaction by you probably weren't lifting properly use your knees not your back and your your body was already fighting and putting stuff in that area and all it takes is that instant yeah yeah I mean that's really all it took and. You know, I, I, you know, I had some uh, uh, relaxants that were that were helping me out. Some muscle relaxants that helped me out uh, for the rest of the afternoon, and it didn't really inflame much further than that, which That's was good. great. That's good. Um, so, but yeah, it's one of those things that you know, you it can. I remember the first time that uh, this was like about a decade ago, but uh, I, I fell and I couldn't get up, and yeah. it was just a weird feeling because it never happened before like that. Right. You know, before right. I was able to always spring back up. So. Yeah, it's just one of those things. It it's good to good to have that knowledge because it's one of those things that you really don't know. It might be an issue until it's an issue, and you never you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah, and yeah. exactly your point about sneezing. I know other people that have had stuff happen where they get in their car and they're driving, and then when they get to the destination, they find they can't get out of the car. Yeah, I've heard I've heard of athletes, pro athletes, oh yeah, like baseball oh, yeah. pitchers that sneezed and and threw their back out. So. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things that's um, definitely, definitely great. It's great to have this information, and it's great to have you <laughs> back on the station. So Yay, thanks so much. I'm so, okay, if you have issues, also go see your doctor, go see a massage therapist, and take care of yourself. Absolutely. And so and until the next time, where can people find you online? On Facebook at Drop by Dragon Con, the group. Uh, not the little page thing. Um, and you are welcome. It's a like a closed group. We vet everybody, but it's an incredible group, and the people are fabulous. We care about you. It absolutely is a, the best group out there. So thank, thank you. you so much. Thanks for that. Thanks for all of the work you do there. And thanks, and we'll talk to you next month. Thank you. Talk to you later.
and we're done. Yay. I was trying to get through it. I was like, let me get it out. <laughs> you did excellent. Yeah, so, good. Very good. Very good. And a great topic again, as usual. Yay. And so we draw close to another episode of the 2017 Dragon Con Con Report. A big thanks to everyone for joining us on this episode. As always, we are glad to hear from Michelle Biddick-Simmons and Eternal Zan. And much thanks to our station crew, some of which are new this month. Thank you so much, uh, JP. We appreciate you uh, filling in. Oh, thanks for inviting me. This was a lot of fun, guys. Absolutely, absolutely. Where can people find you uh, if you're not on if they're not on this station? I encourage you to go to your favorite podcast outlet and find Podcasserole. It is our show hosted by Adam and myself, and uh, twice weekly uh, we do two shows on Tuesday and Friday. So go find us. We're on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, um, iHeartRadio, anywhere you get podcasts, you can find Podcasserole, or check us out at AdamandJP.com. Awesome. Awesome. We'll definitely have to try to see if we can get Adam in next time. Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he won't butcher the guest list. <laughs> uh, you did good. Don't worry about it. Aw, thanks. Absolutely. And and thank you, Angela. Appreciate you filling in as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. And And where can people find you? Well, you can find me every week on ESO for the A Geek Girl's Take. You can also find me on YouTube at Angela Plays Ukulele, where I do geeky covers of ukulele, geeky music videos on, on ukulele. And on Amazon for Shut Up and Eat, the unofficial Doctor Who series cookbook. Awesome. Awesome. What's your next convention? Next convention is Con Carolinas this weekend in Charlotte. Oh, have fun at that one. That's a good show. I leave tomorrow, so it'll be fun. Awesome. Awesome. And and thank you, Mary. It's nice to have another one of the old guard with us. Uh, absolutely. Anytime. Absolutely. So um, we try to cover all we can with these specials, but of course there's a lot going on with Dragon Con. To keep up with the latest news, please check out the official Dragon Con website and their social media outlets. Uh, all the tracks are active uh, on Facebook. They have groups. They have Twitter accounts uh, on all the social media. A lot of them even have Instagram accounts. So check them out and be active. Be part of the con. Uh, we here at Earth Station One can be also found on all the social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, Google+. Plus. Uh, yes, we still are on Google+. Plus. Um, and uh, Instagram as well. Uh, we want you to be part of this program, so please feel free to join us in the discussion. Uh, and also, help us out, support the station by donating via PayPal, purchasing some very cool ESO merchandise, uh, or you can fill up your cart at the Amazon eStore. Like I said, it, uh, it doesn't cost you any more, and it really does help us out a lot. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Mike Gordon, and it has been my pleasure. We'll see you at the con. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.